welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. (laughs) Good morning, and here again. Great privilege to be here. Healthy things grow. Growing things change. Changing things causes to trust God. And I forget the rest, but anyway. <laughs> We're in part two, folks. Can you remember those movies we used to go to? And they bring out a, you know, a part two. Years ago, I remember The Godfather. You weren't even born then. And it was the big movie. And they always said they could never make like a better part two. Godfather 2, and, uh, and we were all waiting. It came into uh, the cinemas in Dublin, and we all went to it. But the trailers were all like, they would, they would uh, well, actually, the movie itself would spend about a few minutes going back to part one to bring you up to date, or back, or ahead. It was all a bit confusing, and they had to do it. Uh, we had part one last week, and in case you weren't here, we will do a brief trailer. Uh, because it was something that kind of grew with me. Um, uh, I was in Africa just uh, home two weeks now. So about three weeks ago, I was in Cameroon and I met with my friend. And for those who were here and you remember every word, bless you, there's probably only one or two of you who do that. But anyway, just this is only a three minute review and then we're getting into part two. But I met my friend, I've known him for 31 years. He's a locksmith. Big guy, gregarious, extrovert, always a bit sort of on the edge and suggesting the other things that the elders decided to do that. He'd want to do the other, but he'd hung in there. But anyway, uh, about six months ago, he went for an operation and uh, post-operative care in that part of the world is very poor. And he went home and whether he, he lived or died was touch and go. And for two months, he battled at death's door, his wife and, and, uh, and then the pastor and his wife, they took them into his home and they nursed him back, took two long months. And he told me that although he actually hadn't died, the experience he had to him had been like a grave. And now he said, I feel I've risen. Through, he used the word, it's a door, but he said through a gateway, I've come into a a deeper appreciation of my wife, a deeper appreciation of my... He has six daughters, uh, uh, so they kept wanting to have a boy, and then the wife said, no more. But anyway, he he said, I've come into a deeper appreciation. I've come, above all, a deeper appreciation of my friend and saviour. And there he was, front row, rather than being at the back, peanut bits, a front row, open, New Bible, a notebook, and worship in the Lord. And he had changed. He's mellower, he's kinder, he's sensitive, and above all, he has this increasing hunger for the Lord. And that little phrase stayed with me on the plane. I never thought I'd be preaching on it, but it says, it's, your graves can become gateways. And we looked last week and we said, there's no principle so profound in the plan of redemption than the principle of life out of death. So we do at times we die daily, but there's maybe three or four, I don't know, a few times in your life as you go on with Jesus, you will experience a dying and a death and a life and a resurrection onto something greater and wonderful. That 
the death may be caused by something in your own heart or something that's happened to you or something that you, that you have to, to cope with, a wound, a grievance, an offense. It could be a lingering habit and you're refusing to die to something. It's something there. And it, 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 is, it is a principle even in nature. It is deeply written. From death comes life. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces more fruit. And can I say, there is some fruit that comes forth in a life that is sometimes more costly than others. And when you're with these people, I had a coffee with a man. He's actually 80. He doesn't appear to be 80. He's so alert. He's so in tune with politics, with everything. He even, he likes a bit of rugby. And we had a two-hour conversation over a cup of coffee this week. But there was something in him. There was a depth. There was, a, there was an expression of the spirit through him. And I know he's had some debts to die in his life. And you kind of smell the sweet odor of his life. We're talking about a death that's worth dying because it brings us into a greater experience of the life worth living, folks. This is positive. I don't want it to be negative, right? Um, And so the the most um, profound truths connected with spiritual life are always associated with that principle. When Jesus spoke that, he said, unless a grain of wheat goes in, he was talking about his own life. No wonder they came to the cross. The devil provoked these Pharisee men, come down off the cross, save yourself, come down off the cross, because the spiritual powers realized this was the answer. This was going to invade their domain, set captives free, and millions were going to come into the kingdom. Come down off the cross, save yourself. And so it is with us. When Paul introduced the subject of sanctification, mainly in Romans chapter 6. And that means, again, I repeat it, sanctification is to be set apart for God for his use. And he teaches, Paul teaches that we enter into the union with the death of Christ and then into the resurrection life. He said how, and he uses the AV, New King James even says, reckoning ourselves. But that word is, a, is an accounting word. Calculate it, work it out, consider it done. Reckon ourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. This is the way we die to self-sin and all those things that bug us. And after a while, if we don't, in a sense, surrender it to him, we will, we will get accustomed to it and say, well, it's the way I am, it's the way I was born, I've always had a temper, I've always been like that, I've had these thoughts for years, I'm not going to get rid of it, blah, 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 blah. And some then, you come face to face with some because the Lord is faithful and he wants to separate ourselves onto him for more blessing, for more experience of this, this abundant life. One of the great symbolisms of the book of Joshua is this, the death and resurrection. They crossed a river, the River Jordan. Interesting, it was the, it was the Jordan that John the baptized people in. It was then only a baptism of respect. The baptism is all about death. I'm dying to self, whack, and I'm rising to life. It's an ordinance we still do. It's a reflection. It's a picture of what's always taken place in my own life. You know, unfortunately, the church at large, the Christian church at large, has taken that 
this is how you get into the kingdom. Oh, we have to baptize them, get them in early as quick. No, no, it's a sign of what's already happened to you in the spirit. It's a sign really of the baptism in the spirit in its broadest and most wonderful sense. So we looked at a few things to do with Joshua. And as a young man, we saw within a space of 18 months, he died to, to four specific things. He chose to say, I will die to this, to disappointment, to thinking he was not recognized, to, to some, some disappointments, to maybe the need for his own convenience and comfort. And we're not going to rehash all that. It's there. It was last week. If you want to listen to it, I think it's online. But, but he, he, was, he was being prepared. And now today we're going to look at Joshua chapter 1, 1, 2, and 3, if you want to turn there. He is now middle-aged. He's in his prime. He's, he's ready to lead a nation of a couple million people across a huge river that was at full flood, impassable. But God has put a promise in his heart, and he said, you are going to go through it. He doesn't know how, but they're going to go through, and they're preparing. He's on the cusp of this. He's poised for a journey of a lifetime that, folks, not only changed the nation of Israel, but it's changed the world as a consequence of this. This was a big event. You know, Paul mentions in the New Testament, he says, often he just had to die every day to certain things. Instantly, Lord, I'm sorry, boom. But wouldn't you think that here's this man, Joshua, prepared, honed, ready in his prime. He doesn't have to go through any more graves before he goes in, but hang on a minute, he does. Because God wants to bring him deeper into himself. It's a compliment from our Father in heaven that he's allowed us to go through some of the things that some of you are going into. And you say, but how could that be? It was all his fault, her fault. It's something deep-rooted in me. It's my character. No, he is, just, he is coming gently, lovingly. But as Pastor Stephen said, let's not forget the fear of the Lord. But not that we're afraid of him, but there's an awesomeness about him. Lord, I want to surrender this to you now and really believe that he is able to do things in our lives so that we can enjoy this full expression of our walk with Jesus. So God knows the timing of the various refinings that we need and when. And so before Joshua can proceed across this mighty river, there's a couple of more graves he's to go through. And consequently, side by side, gateways, avenues, roads, uh, uh, um, a path. He is the way maker. Right now, to that problem, maybe online or here, that you're thinking, this is impassable. What you're talking about, yes, I see what you're getting, but this is unpassable. No, it's not impassable. He is our way maker. It's him. You know, I, I, I don't know when Jesus was baptized. He didn't have to be baptized. I think he just went down into the Jordan to show others. And even if there were strangers, Roman soldiers, uh, Pharisees at the brig, uh, uh, at the at the bank of Jordan. Maybe he just went up to them again and he says, come on, come on, I would go in here with you. He, he is with us in this. Hallelujah. So, grave number one at this point in his life is in chapter one, verse two. We read in Joshua one, verse two, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, you arise and go over this Jordan. What's that all about? Well, however rightly we regard the great man Moses, and he is one of the great men of the Bible and of history, his death was essential before Joshua could lead them into the land of promise. 
You see, Moses represented the law which made nothing perfect. The Bible said it was given to us as a school teacher, as a guide to teach us something, to teach us that we need someone greater than just a law to keep or laws to keep. Praise the Lord for those commandments. They've been ingrained in Western civilization, in constitutions all through history. But it doesn't, it's, the law does not save us. The law does not, trying to keep the law does not enable us to go through these things. Moses also represents human effort, the best that we can do. Turn with me quickly. I was just reading this in the car, come down. Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Quite a few years on after Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost. Church is spreading. Gentiles, the nations are being saved, are being brought into the church. In Acts chapter 2, the church was 100% made up of Jewish converts. They're being brought into, uh, they've been gone out to Samaria, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. And by chapter 15, it's spreading. Paul and a few others have made a headquarters, Barnabas, down in Antioch, right in the heart of Gentile territory. And in chapter 15 of Acts, it said, certain men came down from Judea and thought the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So it's Jesus and this law. And we, we all have a... Like I, I remember having a tendency. I went through my religious period as a Christian. We have a tendency to be religious. That's why we need, and praise the Lord for, the, for one of the foundations in this church, is the teaching of the new covenant. And you can follow this down. And then, uh, uh, you know, Paul and Barnabas, they no small dissension and dispute with them. I like the way Luke writes this. And they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question about the law of Moses. So this isn't just not an Old Testament thing. This is, we still have people, and probably some of us ourselves were guilty of bringing in, well, you have to do this and you have to do this in order to be saved. In verse 5 it says, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed, okay, they rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And so they go up to Jerusalem. They have this council, apostle elders, uh, and then in the middle of it, there's been much dispute up there. Do we have a bit of Moses and Jesus? Can we, can we not accommodate for love's sake if if these want to do this and that, no. So Peter rises up in verse 7. He says, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Verse 8. So God who knows the heart, this is a heart situation. God who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit in the same way as he did to us. And the cross-reference to my Bible there is Acts chapter 2. So he's talking about Pentecost. And God made no distinction between us and them. And then he just puts in, just as an aside, this little sentence, is, this was one of the overriding characteristics of what happened in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. He says, purifying their hearts by faith. Okay. We need, Moses has to die in our lives. And uh, I'm sure he has. Um, and I'm sure you have come into the, the, the great freedom of the new covenant message. Jesus is the new covenant. He is the covenant and free of him. It's not free to do what we want, but we're free under his rulership. 
And it's best to re realize this uh, sooner rather than later. Someone said this, remember, sanctification is the obtainment of grace, not the attainment of effort. Some of us are built for effort. We've had all our lives with effort. We've lists. We've got married with effort. We've raised children with effort. We've run a business with effort. We've, and we automatically we think, well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll walk this life with effort. Now, don't get me wrong. For sure, what I'm talking about uh, uh, will involve our will and some energy. But it's the fruit of God's working in us. I'm sure all of you want God's working within us to will and to do his good pleasure as we pass out of our works into his working. And what is the law that we're now? It's the law of the spirit of life setting us free from the law of sin and death. We could go on more about that. We're moving on to another grave. It's also in verse 2 of Joshua 1. He said, Most my servant, now arise, go over this Jordan. It's interesting. It's, it, it's a, um, I don't know what it is in grammar, but it's, it's, it's a preposition. It's emphasizing Jordan. Really what he's saying to it, I want you to go down into it and rise out of it the other side. This is really the prepared way of the cross, to put it in New Testament language. And when you read through this in, in, um, in chapter 4, three times it uses the phrase, they came up from Jordan. I want you to get this picture in your mind. I'm a picture person. Think of this huge river, flood time, completely the wrong time of the year to cross the Jordan, full flood. Some say it was a quarter to half a kilometer wide, full current coming down from the mountains, all this gushing water. And, and, and they were going to get over it. They didn't know why. We know, we know the story. They didn't. God, he did a repeat on the Red Sea. He, he, dry, he, he pushed back the waters on one side. This actually happened. Pushed back the waters on one side and the rest of the water ran out. The ground was very wet and then it became dry. And it actually crossed over on dry land. But these guys, they didn't know that that's how they would, would get over. They only had a promise that they would get over. So when he's saying this, this Jordan has always been a symbol of death and judgment and resurrection. And crossing it symbolizes our partnership, our journeying with Jesus into that kind of uh, what the old Puritans used to say, the deeper dying to self and sin, <laughs> which the New Testament speaks so much about. And so it's just pause as you see this picture. I, I'm trying to paint a picture before you. This was a definite act. They were at the river. There wasn't anything vague about this. It was a real river. Uh, and they consciously stepped into it and went down and passed over it. They didn't glide into it. They didn't float down into it. They didn't grow into it. They didn't drift into it. And it wasn't like a wide marsh spread out over miles in which we have to wade indefinitely for half a lifetime. How are you doing, brother? Oh, I'm going on the cross. It's very hard. No, no. This, this was a definite moment in time. And so it is with us. Hallelujah. And, and, and maybe we'll, we repeat it a few times. In one sense, it is acted once and for all at salvation. Of course it is. But there's the outworking of this within our lives. And so we can pass out of the continuous orb of the world and of self into this full and the liberating 
life of Jesus. Now, it might, all, it might not always seem easy. And that's why I don't often speak about this. I, 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 but this has just gripped me in the last couple of weeks. Our graves are gateways. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm experiencing just something a bit like this myself. But, but it may not seem easy, but a way is miraculously made. Have a look at one phrase in Joshua 3, 13. Uh, we'll probably just, we'll touch on this before we finish. It should come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest on the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. That's an interesting phrase. There's a cutting off when you do this. It's a simple act of obedience. It's a simple act that I said, some, initially takes a bit of effort. And you kind of twist can I can't. And then you do, there's a cutting off. One of uh, John Wesley's great hymns was uh, uh, um, talking about the cutting, the Messiah dies and there's a cutting off. Uh, um, and it's, 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 a, it's not just a principle, it's not just a spiritual principle. This is reality, folks. This is how we get through those things. Some of us have a background, some of us have a past, some of us have memories, some of us have things that have gripped us. And we love the Lord, we go on, but it's still, there's something that comes up and, and mocks us and everything. And this is the way into freedom. It was a challenging sight to them. And they three days, it says that they camped three days to see all the obstruction, all the reasons why they couldn't get across, or else they three days to say, well, the Lord has to come up and show us and provide a way through. Um, so it might not always seem easy. You know, we usually want, in this picture of the river, right, the things we have to go through, we usually want it to be shallow, easy to cross, uh, before we even make a step. But God was calling them to step out in faith. And it may be just flood time when God calls us into this experience. Is that, oh no, could we, could we wait till then? Could we wait till such and such? No, he's calling you now. He aims his arrow true. Sometimes we think, well, that's an inappropriate time, Lord. But, but he, he's, he, he, he knows and he moves with precision. You can trust him. It might surprise you what he's after even. And, uh, but if you are wise, you will allow him in, refine whatever area he highlights. It could be a small thing. It could be a reaction that you always make. Uh, well, he deserves it. Well, I'll always react. No, no, I want to touch that. It's, it could be something like that. I don't want this to be too heavy. It's, it's in the full flow of living for him. Hebrews talks about he, he, for whom the Lord loves. He chastens, he refines, he values you so much. Hallelujah. We are in a bit of a quarry. Someone said, polish stones for when he comes back. And he's chipping away. Now, the people... They couldn't enter the Jordan until the ark, we'll have a look at that in one moment, that represented Jesus. It's a picture of Christ, that he preceded them. And it's interesting that the ark stayed in the bed of the Jordan until everyone had passed over. Chapter 4, 13, I think it is. Yes, so the priest bore the ark, stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded. Wesley also wrote this 
I said to him, I was thinking, he said, it is finished, the Messiah dies. <laughs> One of the seven statements of the cross was it is finished. It can be finished today for one or two people here who you've battled with something for so long. It is finished. The Jordan's ahead of you. The impossibility is that he's going to make a way. A deep-held grudge that you know you forgive, but you can't. A, 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 a habit, a, a thing that just you can justify, but you know it's dimming something in your spirit. There is a way here today. See, it's only possible through deny divine enabling. It is. I mean, without divine enabling, where would we all be? Chances are we wouldn't be here <laughs> this morning, worshiping the king. His enabling comes. And the ark stayed in the bed of the Jordan until everyone had passed over, until everything was finished. It is finished. That's a word from the cross. And he leads us into these waters. He stands with us through them and he brings us up on the other side. It had to be an act of faith. It's an act of faith. This self-surrendering thing can be a bit edgy. Stay in the grip of grace. March on company. The way will open. A path ahead prepared on dry ground. That's the picture here. And they stay there until everyone had passed over. Some transactions with God take longer than others. He wants us to listen during these times because there are things you can hear in this place, this edgy place, this slightly confused place, this three o'clock in the morning time when you wake up place that he may never come to your ears again in. In fact, they're precious moments. Not at the time, but when you look back, they are. And this was an enduring act. We're talking about something enduring because you can read in chapter 4 in three places. Up from the riverbed they brought stones, rocks, and they planted them on the other shore as a memorial of the crossing. God wants you to remember the time when you considered yourself to be dead unto sin but alive unto God. And this is truly in a big picture form is what the baptism in the spirit is all about is all about. Peter's testimony in Acts 15, the overriding results are our hearts got purified. We love, you know, pure water, clean air. Uh, 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 the West has gone really into this, and rightly so. But, but actually, how about a clean heart? Clean mind. I think I may have said it last week. I said it somewhere about, I remember my friends used to say to me after I became a Christian, Larry, you're just being brainwashed. And I turned around and said, yeah, I said, but who's washing your brain? Who's washing your brain, guys? And no one else is around. And we have this, oh, he can set us free from all of this. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay, well, that's part of the, you know, Moses going to the Jordan. Where are the gateways? Well, if you go to chapter 4, verse 19, they've come over, they've gone down. Imagine the surprise. Water's backed up and the ground is even dry. There's millions of them. Hey, the ground is dry. What? It's dry. How do you mean it's dry? No, it's dry. Come on through. And they're going through family, tribe, community, going through. They're looking at this big thing of water. They said, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. Joshua's right. Yeah. Jehovah was right, he's bringing us through, and the priests are there holding up the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, holding up Jesus Christ, very important. 
he, he, he's there, and they're, they're going through the other side. And in verse 19, the people came up from the Jordan, 10th day of the first month, and they camped where? In Gilgal. This is a gateway. Gilgal is a gateway. Uh, um, symbol of a gateway. It's on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. And I said, what's, what's this gateway? What is Gilgal? And I just, I did a bit of work. Gilgal means, in Hebrew, rolled away. Hallelujah, I said, rolled away. I'm on a trail here. I'm a detective, hooking up words, looking at Hebrew. Bible's very exciting. Yes, good. Uh, it teaches us things. It confirms things that are in our minds or in our pictures or in our, our, our hearts. It, 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 while Jordan it demonstrates and teaches how to reckon ourselves dead, how we go down, trust him through it, surrender to whatever you have to do, and you're coming up the other side, Gilgal teaches how to experience in actual reality and real-life situations what we've experienced you realize the stone's been rolled away. I woke up one morning years and years and years ago, and one of the great stones of my life, I didn't really realize how heavy it was. It said, it's gone. It's gone. The stone was rolled away. The gateway was there. Once we make one, you know, we take an inch, he gives us a mile. <laughs> it's, this does not have to go on and on and on. We can, today, tomorrow, we can do the business with him. It's by faith. It's, it's, a, it's an action of our will. It's rising. Occasionally then, rising up in a situation, all that old self-assertiveness, all that protesting, all that refusing to be so-called dead to my rights and the feelings, at that moment, turn to him. At that moment, that's the moment where you, can I say this, succeed or fail. Turn to him. Remind yourself that the transaction has been done. It is finished. Open our inner life to the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I know is the Holy Spirit, he withers impulses. We're very impulsive. Probably human nature, but there's also a nature to do with that virus, that disease the Bible calls sins, that makes us impulsive. He withers things. And he fills us with light and cleansing power as we find that his promise holds and then we can truly say, and it was the first verse I ever learned. No, the second verse I ever learned by heart. Galatians 2.20. You look it up. But it's, it's, it's uh, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, spiritually. Now, in my own life, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in my flesh, in day to day, it says here, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's freedom, folks. That's freedom. You can go anywhere, meet anyone, and you have this freedom in your heart. Before we touch one, just one more final grave that uh, Joshua, and there was a personal one he, he had to go through. Just pause. There are other gateways. You know, in chapter one, this is, these are doors of encouragement. Uh, uh, we need encouragement, yes? Uh, we so need encouragement, especially in these sort of areas. could be a little bit nebulous or subjective and all sorts of things happen in our mind. We need encouragement. And you can read it in chapter 1, verse 3. Every place the sole of your feet tread, I have given you. 
Now, unfortunately, the nation only tread on about one-third of the land that was promised to them, and therefore they only possessed one-third of the land. Obadiah talks about possess your possession. And the reason we don't come into everything is because we don't go through this grave and gateway, either through ignorance or through stubbornness, through rebellion, or just through I'm not able to do it. But, But there's more, always more of him to possess. It also says... God said to to Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Don't fear, don't be dismayed, for your God is with you wherever you go. And yet, interestingly, where they were, there was no instructions about how to build a boat. There was no instruction about how to construct a bridge. There was no one to arrange swimming lessons quickly. And that's what we do when there's something out there that seems impossible. You know, we get on to Pastor Stephen, he knows everything. Well, maybe he doesn't know this one thing. Or we do this, we do that. It's, it's an impossibility. Instead, what did they have? They had the word of God, chapter 1, verse 11. Joshua said this. He'd received it from Jehovah. Pass through the camp, command the people, prepare for provision for yourself, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. It's a great picture, isn't it? Oh. The, obvious, the obvious thing they thought, boats, bridges, swimming, wasn't going to do it this time. You can also read in chapter 3, there's words of encouragement. He talks about the, the ark. The ark is mentioned 16 times in chapter 3 and 4. This is the ark of the covenant that housed the presence of God on earth. It represents, it's it's a central object in these two chapters, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark. It represents Christ the Messiah, the way maker for us, the the covenant head. Hebrews says, looking off onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. As they did so, as they, it says, instruct them, keep the Ark in view. Keep the Ark in view. They held it up. Everyone coming over. What tribe are you? We're Dan. Oh, there's still another four tribes to come. Keep, keep looking on him, whatever situation you're in. I'm tired of looking at him. I know that verse in Hebrews. I've quoted it. I've prayed it. Nothing seems to be happening. It's happening. It's happening. Oh, well, I don't think it is. In fact, I'm not going to go to church. It's happening. If you, if you stay at home, he'll be there and he'll hound you. He's the hound of heaven. And then it says in verse 3 of chapter 3, these are great chapters, obviously, that you can see. I've been reading it. I get a bit animated over it. But they're truly great chapters. He says, go after it. You know, sometimes we feel, I know he's with us, he's in us, and he's behind us. But sometimes we feel that Jesus has gone ahead. Go after him. Lord, I don't want to miss out. FOMO. Fear of missing out. Isn't that where they put FOMO? Well, have this fear of missing out. And then he says in verse 4, give it space. Oh, I thought we were to be really close to we are. He's in us. He lives in us. But you also have to give it space. Make room in our busy schedule. Lengthen our tank pegs. Expand our capacity and vision. Give him space right now. The time you, you feel 
less spiritual, your time you feel less like doing what I'm talking about or obeying the scripture, the time that you feel so less inclined to do anything like that, that's the time to do it. That's your moment of victory. That's your moment that you see the gateway will open up the next moment, the next hour, the next day, the next week, and you say, hallelujah, Lord, you're so wonderful. You know, I was just thinking when we were worshiping today, maybe there's a few here, a few online, and you said, those people are singing as if they really know what they're singing about. I'm just singing along because I like the tune and it's supposed to be the thing to do. We all, we all want to be in a place that we know the person we're singing about and that, that we're passionately connected and in love with him. One more thing here before we go to this final uh, grave. He says to them an interesting thing in Joshua chapter 3. He said, you have not passed this way before. Okay? In the Christian life, you will come into times that you have not passed through this way before. Now, in one sense for them, that was nothing new. They'd been traveling new territory over the past 30 years, 40 years. So a better translation is this. You haven't journeyed in this distinctive before. And I say, what, what was different? Well, there's a different arrangement. There's a different procedure was now made. Something different was in operation. There was a new means of journeying. And you know what that was? For 40 years, they'd been led by a supernatural pillar of fire. Hallelujah. They'd been led by a supernatural cloud. The cloud moved, we moved. It was easy. You know, two plus million. Oh, the cloud's moving. Pack the cases. Bring the wheelies. We're going. Get down the tent. We're getting used to this. And then someone goes, no, 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 false alarm. It hasn't really moved. Oh, it hasn't moved. It was easy. At night, they had this pillar far. There's Jehovah hovering over the magnificent picture, hovering over the, the tabernacle of the presence. Then they'll come out. It's warm. We're in the, the far of the Lord. They were encouraged by it. And then they'd go to bed and wake up. Manna, tons of food came down from up there every day for 40 years, tons, how many hundreds of tons every day, they took it, they fried it, they baked it, everything. He said, it's new now. You read in chapter five, the manna ceased, but they didn't have that means of direction anymore. In previous journey, the ark that went before them this time was in the midst of the camp, except for one time. It went out before them, but generally it was in the midst of the camp and the sons of Kohath, they carried it. Here the priests are carrying it. Here is going ahead. It's like the new covenant with Jesus Christ. He's going ahead. I'm just finished. You'll find a different guidance system within you. The Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't mean we don't hear the word on a Sunday morning from someone or a brother or the scripture, primarily the scripture, but this will become a new source to you. More will open up. You'll have a strange appetite for this. I mean, if we're honest, do you really, is it the first thing in the morning, I've got to read the Bible? No, it isn't. Where's my coffee? And I'll chill out. I'll have a look at the news. Uh, that's okay. Don't feel condemned. But there are moments that he makes us hungry for things that we weren't hungry before. This is the new way that we journey. Right. 
We could say a lot, but I just want to come to chapter 5, final, final, if you like, grave that Joshua had to experience before he went through. We're going to just read this, chapter 5, verse 13. Are you ready? And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. He's ready. He's standing, perhaps in the dead of night. He's thinking about the attack. He's planning his strategy. And suddenly, a man with a sword drawn stands in front of him. And every inch of soldier, Joshua approaches him. Are you for us or are you against us? And then this man spoke to him. And it was his voice. It was his voice that changed Joshua's attitude. He said, no, but as commander, as prince, as chief ruler of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua falls in his face. What does my Lord say to his servant? There's no challenge, no disputing, there's surrender. John Denver wrote a song once called Sweet Surrender. I had just become a Christian. And my friend, he bought the album and he said, this is you, Larry. And it's sweet surrender. I don't, I, I, it wasn't a Christian song, but the word spoke to sweet surrender. It was sweet. I think this was sweet to Joshua. The only thing I'd take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. Joshua had met Jesus and it was a decisive turning point in his life. He realized that he was no longer the captain. Maybe he was beginning to think that. I'm the commander in chief. But now he's real, I take orders from above. We're not the captain. We're not the victor. We're not the overcomer of our lives. He is. And maybe it's, uh, he, we're friends with him. We were, written, I were talking about that coming down the car. What a privilege to call him friends. One who sticks closer to a brother. But actually, Stephen shows the other side of it. He's awesome. And maybe it's just good once in a while to say, good morning, commander of my life. Direct me, rather than me telling you how I want you to bless me. And to have such a leader, commander, we have to die to our own sufficiency and strength. There can't be two commanders. You know, rightly so, some people say, I'm the senior pastor here. People get saved at my meetings. I get words for people. I have the final word on matters type of stuff. All great things, all might be true, but who's the source of it all? Who's enabling us? And so the holy eye, the pious eye, the useful eye, the spiritual eye, the ecclesiastical eye, the eye that says, I am a Paul, I am a Paulus, I'm a Christ, all must cease, and he alone is glorified in our lives. It's the Jordan, get down, come up the other side. It's fantastic. You know, in chapter 5, we vote. We've heard about, about, about before we come to the commander coming and them heading over, they, they, they go through the Old Testament, thankfully it's an Old Testament, ritual of circumcision again, cutting off death. It also says in verse 12 of chapter 5, then the manna ceased on that day. And as I said, the pillar of fire ceased cloud had ceased, a new day of guidance, a new way of guidance, of journey, of 
living had commenced. And it said, they ate the food of the new land of Canaan that year. That's verse 12 of chapter 5. Isn't that great? We're eating, it's like a new land. I've been in this land, but it's a new land. And I, and I really taste, I taste the vines. I taste the, the groves, the olive groves, a land which they did not labor for, cities which they didn't have to build, vineyards which they didn't have to plant. This is new covenant language. Spiritually, we call this the kingdom of God. We call it the new covenant of Christ. This is not Romans 6 or 7. This is Romans 8. And those who know Romans will know what I'm talking about. There's no condemnation, Romans 8 says. You're free from the indwelling virus of sin. You're walking by the spirit, by the law of the spirit of life. Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. This is a death worth dying, folk. Let's pray before we start. Stop. Let's just pray right now. I, I am not presumptuous that everyone's been really spoken to, but a few of you have. Holy Spirit, come. Use this moment for your precision, your love, your hot love, your passion love for us to enable whoever it is, Lord, a few who will really want to do this business with you now and get right down into this Jordan and up the other side. It is finished, the Messiah cries. It is done. The great redeeming work is done. There's salvation, hallelujah, there's sanctification, there's glorification ahead. But Lord, we want to march on with you. Enjoy your presence, enjoy the fruits of this land, the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. We didn't have to work for them, we didn't have to order them, we didn't have to, Lord, they're there, they're all around us, hallelujah. I pray you'll just have your way amongst us in these few moments here before we close. Thank you. Thank you, that if, even if, if there is a grave, Lord, there's certainly a gateway. Hallelujah. Lord, and even when we literally, physically die, the moment we die, you said to the teeth, there's the gateway of paradise. There's the doorway into my presence. Your servant Paul said, I'm betwixt and between, which is better, to stay here or to be with the Lord. Instant, new land, new gateway. You supply a door all the way. No wonder you said, I am the way, I am the door, I am the truth, I am the life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.